Hi, my name is Avery Heaton, and I'm a part of the 412 student ministry. Today I will be reading Mark, verses 834 through verse 91. Then he called to the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. Will you bow your head and pray with me? Dear God, thank you for bringing us all together on this beautiful morning. Let your words come out through Pastor Mike and share what we need to hear. Amen. Well, I know that others preceded me in saying good morning, but I, I want to uh, accompany that. Good morning. Welcome to Marion Methodist, whether you're here on live on this 4th of July weekend or joining us on the church online. Um, we're glad that you've come uh, to be with us. I want to give a special thanks to our tech team, um, to our uh, participants last week, and to the rest of our staff. We had this Voices of Hope um, concert in here, a uh, patriotic concert that had dress rehearsal on Monday, and then on Tuesday had about 600 people in the building, and on Wednesday we had 850 people in here. Um, cars parked on the grass, so it was amazing. I want to thank all you guys that worked. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I want to thank the Troop 35 Boy Scouts for putting up the avenue of flags that you came in. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, we're glad to have, have that. And I, and I do want to say just one um, piece that I want to really call you to. Um, w one of the, the tragedies in our community right now is that not, uh, there's a lot of people with food insecurities. So over the past, um, golly, 15 years now, on summers, 15 summers, can you believe that? We've been ser serving the Feeding Lunch to Youth program, um, hosted by Marion Methodists and sent forward from our church buildings. And um, in the last year or so, with unemployment benefits from COVID running out, with the SNAP benefits running out, um, our volume has increased uh, quite a bit. The, the demographics say that we should be serving to about 480 to 550 lunches a day, and we're hitting that top number or beyond just about every day. That accompanied with all the things you and I are used to, um, inflation, um, hay cap benefits have changed a little bit. Um, frankly, um, three weeks from now, uh, Fly was going to run out of money. I said was. Um, still have some need, um, but the prices and all that, so we made a, a call out to the other churches, and they've given some money. And then a person that's uh, never come to us saw the news story on TV um, send us a check for $2,500 and say, if you match it, I'll give you another $2,500. So it takes about $3,300 a week to run fly, which is fantastic. So um, I don't also hesitate from saying to our own group to say, you know, we're the home church of it. Um, if you would love to benefit fly, you can either go on the church app and give that way. You can drop something in the joy boxes out there. Just make sure if you put it in an envelope, write fly on it, and they'll get that because the Feeding Lunch Youth Program is something that's very important to our community. We serve lunches at 11 sites across the Marion and Linmar School District because that's our wheelhouse. And so we'd invite you to come along with that uh, as part of our acts 
and marks of being a disciple. So thank you in advance for any gifts that you're able to give. So Jesus, as Mario said, does not sugarcoat the gospel. And sometimes the gospel is hard to hear. So let me share, and I'm really just going to focus in on half of a verse here. And here's what Jesus says to his disciples. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, sometimes people will say, well, Mike, I read the Bible, but it's so confusing. I don't understand it. And we have it in our own language, but still sometimes these words are hard to understand. And sometimes this passage that we read, that, that Avery read a few moments ago, kind of seems like a riddle because you're like, well, I'll pick up my cross, but where is it? And we, we go looking around for our cross and we say, this doesn't make complete sense to us, Mike, because that one light thing, it says, if you want to, if you lose your life, you'll save it. And if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But this is kind of like, a, this is kind of like a riddle, Mike. I mean, how do you unpack that scripture? And so we have to do that. Why is it so hard to understand? And I understand, of course, and can comprehend the fact that some pieces of it are hard to understand, but I also want to help us understand this. Some parts of the Bible are not hard to understand, and I want you to look at a quote from 150 years ago from Mark Twain. He wrote, It ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. And we do understand parts of the, uh, of the Bible that call on us to give a great deal of ourselves. And there's an expression, some of you, of course, aren't from my age group, but there's this expression back in the day that we used to say, well, give it to me straight. Just give me the news. Whatever it is, I can take it. Just don't sugarcoat it. Just give it to me straight. Even if the news is hard, I can take it. Just, just give it. Speak clearly. Speak honestly. Give it to me in a straightforward, easy-to-understand way. Now, I will tell you this. Mark chapter 8 gives it to us straight. But is straightforward news what we always want to hear, even from Jesus? We ask for straight talk, but sometimes we like a little candy coating. Let me give you an example. Back in the day, some of you don't remember this, but back in the day when someone got married, they'd write these beautiful flowery little um, summaries of what happened at the wedding. She wore a white, you know, that was accented with this and that, and the parents did this and that. Well, in a place called Kearney, Nebraska, which is out in west central Nebraska, um, people were complaining and saying, those were way too flowery. You need to write them a little bit more honestly. Okay. So in 1912, the editor of the Kearney Hub newspaper wrote this. Miss Sylvia Rhodes married Mr. James Collins last Saturday by the balding and rotund Pastor James Gordon. <laughs> in the starkly decorated, antiquated sanctuary of First Baptist Church. The bride is an ordinary town girl who knows less about cooking than a jackrabbit. <laughs> she barely graduated from high school and has never helped anyone in her life. She is not a beauty queen by any means and has a gait like a duck. The groom is a full-time loafer, 35 years old and has been living off his parents since he was born. He has no discernible skills and no real prospects of ever getting or keeping a job. 
the couple has little prospect for happiness, it will be a hard life. So, we may prefer a little sugar coating, no? We may prefer some sugar coating, and Jesus does not sugarcoat the invitation to the Christian life. He does not hold back on what is truth. Jesus speaks to the crowd and disciples in a very straightforward way. Now, here's the context. And Mario gave that. Crowds and his disciples are coming to Jesus. Now, uh, Patrick, my friend, uh, that's the pastor at, at Central City and Walker and the French congregation in Southwest Cedar Rapids, came and met with me and, and uh, recorded the episode of Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. And I hope that you're, if you ha aren't watching those live, they live on our, our website. Continue, you can click on the watch live and see the first three episodes. There's four more coming. Um, <clears throat> this week will be uh, Mario. And, and by the way, um, I'll get to next week's preacher, but you got to come back to, to, to church next week. Next week, we're going to have a guest preacher, um, Pastor Cameron Scott, who was youth minister at Altoona for uh, a number of years, United Methodist Church, and then was the founding pastor of Cityscape DSM. And most importantly, he married my daughter, Sarah. So uh, he's up in the box next week. And my friend Patrick was here this week to kind of explain, not kind of, he exactly explained this scripture. See, the crowds are interested in Jesus. Jesus has become a phenomena. And people are hearing some things about him all across the region of the Galilee and actually all over Israel. And so they want to know what will he do and what will he say? Because they've heard some things. They've heard about the fact that there he was on the seashore one day and he broke some loaves in half and had a few fish and fed 5,000 people. They've heard some things about Jesus. They heard how a man brought him his daughter and she was stone cold dead. And Jesus brought her back some li to life. They've heard some things. So they want to come and see him. And you know what? People in our generation have heard some things about Jesus. They know some people that claim that Jesus is responsible for the life transformations that others have seen right before him, how they were going this way and went this way, or how they were uh, addicted to something that was very difficult for their lives and they turned completely around, or how their mental health, their physical health, or even their relationships were healed by Jesus. People give Christ credit for that. People have heard some things about Jesus. People have heard some things that, that others are claiming. People they know in their families, in their friendship group, people are claiming that, that Jesus inspires them to do good things, to serve others, to love and help neighbors just because Christ loved them first. They've heard some things and they trust him in their most difficult moments. Jesus is a phenomena. And when he speaks to the crowd, Jesus is clear. If a person wants to follow him, they're invited and they're welcome. And his offer is universal in scope to all, anywhere. And we need to see this. And this is one of the conversations that my friend Patrick and I had. Patrick is from the Democratic Republic of Congo. The language I speak is his fourth language. And he speaks pristine English. But Patrick and I look very different. My friend Guillermo Bongolian is from the Philippines. He's the pastor at Springville. He and I look very different. And he speaks also 
my language very well, which is not his original language. My friend Christina Sung, who pastors at Clinton, First United Methodist Church, we look very different as well. But here's the thing that we've all come to understand. Jesus invites all of us. His scope is universal, and he sees only one race. We see different cultures, and that's right, and we should, and we should embrace those. But there's just one race under God, and that's the human race. We, we said of that in the creed a few moments ago. And the entire human race is created in his image. And the invitation is to all, regardless of what your dialect is, regardless of what your favorite foodstuffs are, this is for all. Jesus speaks a straightforward message. He speaks in a straightforward way because he does not want to gain disciples under false pretenses. Have you, um, you know about anything, have you ever been hustled? Have you ever been hustled? You know, some of you are in your mind saying, oh, geez, yeah, I remember that. I got hustled one time, well, probably more than once because, you know, I'm me. But I had a guy, he was about four years, I was working in construction when I was in college. And he was about four or five years older than me. And he had a cabin up on the Wapsie, uh, up by Muckerville or someplace like that, right? You know where I'm talking about, up, up the end of Albernet Road. And he says to me, he says, uh, hey, young morgue. He always called me young morgue because there's an older one too, you know. He called, hey, young morgue, what are you doing Saturday afternoon after you get off work? I said, oh, I don't know, Kirk, you know. He says, hey, want to come up and mess around at my cabin? Me thinking, you know, um, water sports, canoes, campfires. I said, sure, that'd be fun. He says, oh, good. You know, grab your truck and, and come up there about noon. But he says, I got a little project we need to do beforehand. So go ahead and bring your work clothes and stuff too. And so I did. And what he meant when he asked me to go was, um, Mike, will you come help me shingle my cabin? And if there's time before it gets dark, we'll get in the water. So I felt pretty hustled that day. I mean, I liked him and I was happy to do it, and he probably gave me a bucket of chicken or something like that. But we need to understand this. No false pretenses from Jesus. No, hey, there's going to be candy and nuts, but you got to build a shed on the way in. Jesus does not help hustle or does not hustle people to help for his mission from the beginning, from the very first time you hear words from Jesus he makes it clear he is calling us to a most difficult life work. Each person, though, is responsible for choosing to be a part of the crowd or to become a disciple. We, we get the choice on that fully. And the outcomes of each one, whether you choose to be in the crowd or whether you choose to be in the, a disciple of Christ, are clearly stated by the Lord Jesus himself. The people in the crowds, then and now, can become disciples— but most, that's more than half, but most decide not to because they're unwilling to pay the price. And Jesus says, clearly, again, the one simple verse I'm sharing with you, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Disciples have to leave the crowd to follow Jesus. His way becomes their way. They get in step directly behind them. A disciple of Christ has chosen the Lord as their life leader, and they need no other. Now, this morning, earlier today, we had veterans across the front of our, our church, and we know that they all were assigned leaders in their military service. And many of them, they said, I will lead, I will follow him anywhere. I, I was not 
called into military service. And during the time when I was of age, we were not engaged in any of those conflicts. And I, um, so I appreciate very much the work and, and uh, all, all of the labors and the, and the, dis, dis, you know, the very difficult things that our military men and women uh, in the branches of service in the United States have given for us that we might be free. Now, I played, though, on sports teams. And when I first went to college, my freshman year in college, there were two freshmen, myself and a guy named Bob Escroba, that were going to play baseball for the Iowa Wesleyan Tigers. And we started baseball practice in January back in those days. Ground balls in the gym. We didn't have, you know, uh, prospect meadows back then or hitters or anything like that. Ground balls in the gym, batting cages in the gym, all that kind of stuff. And about two weeks into practice... We had, we had joined this team that was mostly veterans, you know, seven or eight uh, or ten sophomores, but all these juniors and seniors. Now, they were like maybe 500 the year before. They weren't that good. And Coach Nelson, you know, was kind of hearing John. John had been to Vietnam, and he'd got one of his legs blown up, so he was very courageous, and he really wasn't too worried about what people think, thought about him, and his job as a coach was to win, and so he said this, I remember at a team meeting, they were all gathered in a classroom, and he said, all right, you haven't played a game yet. He says, this is what we're going to do. Um, we're going to start the freshmen. We're going to start the freshmen, because I think it's the best chance for our team to make the playoffs. The college had never made the playoffs in the history of its existence. And you know what happened? I think because they were forming a protest, they were going to do this all together, and coach would buckle, but every junior and senior quit the team. All of them. And Nelson wasn't buckling. And I got to tell you, in a small college where all the men live in the same dorm, there were some harrowing days there in the next couple weeks. There were some difficult looks and, 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 and harsh words said to us, but I'll tell you what. Oh, by the way, too. We did go to the playoffs for the first time in the history of the college, and we did win our regionals, so yay, John. But, but it was really difficult there for a, a little while. But I'll tell you this, I'd have followed that guy anywhere. He was my favorite coach and all the coaches I had at, at Iowa Wesleyan because he was a great leader, and he was unflinching when he knew it was the right thing today. In life, in our lives, we're always going to pick leaders. We like coaches. We like guides. We like mentors. But we need leaders that we can follow and trust. And Christ is that for every Christian. We can trust Christ in the most harrowing days of our lives, in the most exhilarating days of our lives, and in many, many, many of our days that are just, I don't know, everyday, normal stuff. We can follow Christ because we know he will lead us well. So the disciple who follows Christ is able and willing to pay the price and take up their cross. Now, I want to say something very important. We do not go on a quest for a cross. We don't go looking for them. But we don't decline it when it's in our way. When it's in the path of our duty, we need to be compelled to bear, to bear it. We don't need to go looking around, where's the crosses I can pick up? We don't need to go. Jesus will place the cross that we need, that it's our responsibility to carry in, in, in our way. And, and understand this, the cross is not some mystical level of deeper spirituality. The cross is not our daily annoyances or, or difficulties. I, I always get a kind of a smile out of someone who says, well, 
you know, my kid in the fourth grade's acting up. That's my cross to bear. I'm like, no, that's your child to lead. That's a loving thing. Oh, you know, my wife, she makes meatloaf. Well, that's my cross to bear. I'm like, no, that's a daily annoyance. Oh, you know, in my case, the cops are always sitting down by culvers on my way to work. <laughs> that's an annoyance. Well, unless I follow the law, which would be a good idea. Um, <laughs> and it is. I uh, encourage that. But a cross that we bear is something that Christ puts in front of it. The cross is the cross that we're to bear is is our willingness to pay any price for Christ's sake. And, and Jesus was understanding what he was doing when he put the cross as a model. See, in the Roman Empire, the prisoner was compelled to carry their own cross to their, their own execution, signifying the submission to Rome's power. They had no choice about it. Jesus used the very same image to illustrate the ultimate submission to him that his followers required to, were required to give. And the outcome of giving our willingness, you know, because it says we, 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 we must be willing to pick up our cross, the outcome is a holy and productive life. Now, the disciple that's willing to pay the price the cost is comprehensive. And so is the reward. So don't miss that part. You know, the reward is, as you read in the very same scripture that we read, Christ saying, I will always know you. I will never turn away from you. If you're willing, I will always know you. And you will taste my glory. You will see me and be with me. You know, the disciple is the one to which Jesus says, I go before you to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you will be forever. Jesus is straight with us. Christian living is difficult. And it can be avoided. There's lots of on and off ramps. That's one of the things I thought that Patrick said. Mario repeated part of it today where he says, you know, you can be a disciple and say, I've had enough, I'm tapping out. Or you can just fade away. And say, you know, the crowd was a lot more comfortable. I think I'll find my spot back in it. Jesus is straightforward with us. And there's a lot of things, ways too, on the, on the reverse of that, which is as essential for me as a teacher to say, and you can get on. You can also say, I'm in the crowd, but I want to step up and out. And, and this is how, because I know exactly why. To avoid the Christian lifestyle, all you need to do is center your life around a preoccupation of yourself. Pretty easy. Spend your life and spend your time working so that when we get down to Cedar Memorial or Oak Shade to celebrate your life and we can look at your tombstone and said he or she took care of themselves. If that's what you want your epitaph to read, then that would be just fine. It's a choice we get to make. It's so simple. If you don't want to be a Christian, if you don't want to follow Christ and be a disciple, all you got to do is focus on yourself. Just that. Let your life uh, be loaded with burdens and concerns of your own, not anyone else's. Of course, if you live this way, your life is going to mean little in the greater scope, and you're going to rem be remembered by very few. Many, many people choose against Christianity in their lives because they believe it is an escape from the realities of life, a denial of the brutalities of suffering and our common destiny of death, and that is wrong. Nothing could be further from the truth. Following Christ means precisely that we must struggle with the fundamental human issues of life. 
You know, I talked to the vet- veterans this morning and everyone that's in an armed service, especially those that were drafted, because there was a lot of time in our country's history where people got to fight in a war, not because they wanted to, but because they were the right age. And all those men and women that sat before me this morning would, would agree that, that serving in the United States military, while maybe there were some great things about it, was also a struggle because they left family, they left careers, they left school. You know, we have a couple members of our church that left full-time athletic scholarships to go to Germany or someplace like that. They left a lot of things and they were leaving behind a lot of things. They, they, they faced death on a daily, um, you know, a, a daily occurrence because, of course, the, the, the people who were standing opposed to them weren't, weren't carrying guns because they wanted to shake hands. And, of course, every person that's in the military knows someone that's lost their life because of the service they were given. Now, the purpose of that is clear. It couldn't be avoided. They, they were going because lives, other lives were being infringed upon and being taken. Now, when it comes to us, many of us who do not have that in our background, we understand that the Christian struggles with the fundamental issues of life as we follow Christ into them. We come to be a Christian means to follow Christ on his way, on the way of Jesus, to drink the cup of suffering, whatever that means, to fully participate in God's movement in the world, to be concerned with the salvation of other people since we won't have to take up those kind of arms we should as the old song says uh, march in the army of christ unless if at all we need to be concerned with our own well-being jesus gives this to us absolutely straight christian living is difficult it's hard and it's best and it's blessed now this morning we, we we're going to see jesus choice happens at the table you know when he breaks the bread and then drinks the cup of your salvation that cup was avoidable by jesus but he lovingly carefully took it and drank it he took up his cross not because he had to but it was the one that the lord his father put in front of him and he submitted fully to god by being murdered on the cross and we know from his power from the miracles that he performed and from if you read the book of of matthew he could have called ten thousand angels and undid the whole thing could have walked right away from it but he followed the plan of the father so that we might be brought to eternal safety now you have a choice at the table too this morning You have the opportunity to deny selfishness towards a life occupied with making the lives of others better. You have the choice to take up a life based on Jesus that is holy and productive for the kingdom of God. And you have the opportunity to follow Jesus who leads us through the harrowing times, the exhilarating times, some of the hardest times to the best life of our Father in heaven who's planned it all for us. These are the choices before a Christian today and in the days to come.